There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I don't like you anymore, Jude. <laughs> That's a nice start to the show. Welcome to the family with... Ellie Nick. Alex Brant Bernard Rasmussen. The sad dog owner. <laughs> sad. Said dog owner Catherine Brandt and Andy Brandt Bernard. We'll be right back. Kick things off. Great guest today, Aaron Brockovich. Yes, the real Aaron Brockovich will join us, and Josh Mankowitz. Yes, the real Josh Mankowitz. Big, big guest list today, baby. We'll be right back. Kick things off. The family. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? Oh, the latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us. We talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer for <laughs> He just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Dougie, what's happening to my favorite Nissan stores? Well, a lot, actually. Last month, Dan Resch and the Burnsville team finished number one in the state, and the month before, J-Lo and the Coon Rapids team took the top state spot. KQ listeners. Yeah, I've had to explain what a pair of choppers means to some of the staff. Anyway, this month, we want to talk about a couple killer finance deals on 2020 Muranos and 2020 Rogues. Read this. This month at Walzer Nissan in Burnsville and Coon Rapids Nissan, get 0% financing for 60 months on a brand new Rogue or 0% for 72 months on a brand new Murano. Wow, 0 for 72 months on a Murano? Yeah, I don't remember the last time we did that. Yeah, I don't remember the last time the Vikes beat the Packers either. Yeah, too soon. But wait, there's more. Not only do you get 0% on Rogue and Murano, but you also get Walzer Care. It's a 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty, and it's absolutely free, but only at Walzer Nissan in Burnsville and Coon Rapids Nissan. That is a wrap. What do you think of that rocking out, baby? It's the most rocking out I've ever heard. It's as rocking out as it gets. Oh I don't think there's Such any questions. I got some music for Andy. I got to give it to him. Yeah. We have yes, Striper on. I have guy we really, Striper. Oh, Striper's awesome. You know yeah. Nice yeah. I have really, really nice good guy. bumper music for you, Andy. Good. 
Did you know that I did not know that it was a Christian band? You didn't? No, I didn't. Oh, Striper? They were the no. first Christian metal band because they were, all the yeah. metal bands were singing about Satan and death yep. and also Christian. And they liked metal, but they didn't want to sing about that, so they start singing about Jesus. Yeah. That's what he, I know. I'm like, what? Awesome. Yeah. No, and there was a lot, there was a lot of Christian metal bands. In fact, there's a whole radio station of Christian metal. Well, Melissa used to be a lot more religious than she is. You know, she's still into the whole Christianity thing, but she used to be like super religious. <laughs> into the whole Christianity <laughs> Like it's just a but passing Christopher phase. Christopher Emery. <laughs> For a lot right? of people, it is a cra- the p- passing phase. Yeah. No, um, but there's it. all sorts of bands that come on, and she's oh, like, oh, that's a Christian band. Tons like, of Christian metal bands. Michael man. Sweet. That's who it was. Yeah, oh, yeah. Michael he's Sweet. A yeah. Guy. He's a really great nice guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Really he's nice one of the founding members of Skyper. Yep. How did, yeah. uh, what, what, uh, what church did she grow up in? Um. God, I, Mormon? I, I think it's just Amish. Generic, <laughs> generic, you know, pe- uh, Protestant. Oh, it's a Protestant deal? Uh, definitely not Catholic. Yeah, you don't want to be Catholic anymore because uh, apparently the left hates Catholics now. So when, no, when, no. Did the, when did the conservative church lady become the bad person? I know. I guess, uh, Joe, Joe Biden says he's Catholic, right? He is Catholic, yeah. Uh, Nancy Pelosi says, and whenever they amount, uh, talk about Catholic. Catholicism, it's all sparkly hearts and rainbows. And then it's like... Trump picks a Catholic for the Supreme Court well, justice. She's yet. a Nazi. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, she is part of. She's part of the like Gilead religion. What's Gilead? Gilead? What? She no, is she, not a handsmade tale. I swear to God, she oh. was involved with what that woman based Handmaid's Tale off of. What is Gilead's what? tale? I, Handmaid's Tale that... Uh, you know, you got to stop, ta- stop talking to you people your age because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, she was part of this <laughs> really religion. Do. What's her Look name? She was a Amy? clerk for Scalia. Amy Klobuchar. Amy Barrett. The lady who started Planned Parenthood did it to get rid of black people. That's a fact. That's There's exactly a video of her right. saying, I want all black people babies to die. That is correct. It's brutal, man. Yeah, so so watch it to, uh, and learn oh something. That's we ought to abolish. <laughs> but yet, hair, everybody's but giving them money. Well, and you're in a situation, and it is a fact, that the greatest percentage of children aborted are black children. And the founder of Black Parenthood wanted it that wanted way. Wanted it that way. Amy she did. Coney Barrett. There's Amy Coney tons Barrett, of video it. on her. She's one of the most racist Americans that ever existed. Of all time, but they love yes. her, man. They love, well, they love that. I don't outfit. get it. I don't get it. They've lost their minds. They've lost their minds. Well, let me read a story to you about something, because I am so sick of the misuse of the word racist, I can't take it anymore. I really can't. You dumb bastards <laughs> out there. You'd never seen racism. You never even heard of it uh. until somebody told you about it in college. Let me read this to you. After Evan Sotzing's girlfriend tested positive for COVID-19, the University of Cincinnati student says the school's health department instructed him to self-isolate. That meant he had to miss an in-person lab under adjunct, adjunct professor John Euchre. Per the Cincinnati Inquirer, the reaction Sotzing, uh, or Sotzing received from Euchre was not all, at all what he expected. Not only did my professor give me a zero for not going, but this was his response, Sotzing tweeted Thursday, along with a screenshot of the email Euchre had sent him. That message from Euchre, who, per his personnel file, has taught at the school for more than 25 years, quote, for students testing positive for the Chinese virus, I will give no grade. Hmm? He said, that's racist. How was that racist? It started in China, and it's a virus. The new creation myth for that virus is that it started in America when Trump sneezed. So <laughs> I wouldn't doubt that at I all. I understand all of it. Don't I, give him ideas, Andy. Look, yeah. you've never seen racism if you think that's racist. You that is even racism. close to racism. Go to Australia. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously, you, you go to Australia and bring bring one of your black friends with you. You want to see racism? It's, it's brutal. It's unbelievable that, that to say Chinese virus would not. First of all, even if you find it offensive, it's still not racist. So was the Spanish flu racist? Yeah, is that racist too? West Nile virus? Is yeah, that racist too? Racist? It's all, you people have lost your minds. And I mean, you West get, Nile is, you know, it's West Nile. Uh, West Nile's got an Arab deal. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Racist. Oh, it's got to be racist, man. <laughs> I, I am sick to death of seeing this word racism. It, it actually has no meaning. You want to know why they use it? Because you can't argue against it. I can. They can but no, but they can call you a racist, and there's nothing you can say. They'll say, that's what a racist would say. There's, so you can't win. Well, I know. You I can't know. win the argument. That's well, why they use it. It's a powerful well, word. Well, the critical race theory is that we're all racist, and yeah. you have to admit it to get over it. Yeah. All, like, who, who's all? All, all white humans? people. All white people. Why isn't everybody else racist? Because of slavery. Because if you Asian say people. they're racist, they'll fight back. Uh, okay, don't. let me ask you another so you just, thing. You just have to say, uh, yes, I understand I'm no, racist. No, it's not at all. I think true. Asian people are kind of racist in Japan and stuff. Let, oh, me, God, yeah. let me give you another example people. of what, what I'm Toward talking about. other Asians. You yeah. name a race that didn't enslave people. Mm-hmm. They, they still are. Eskimos? They still no, are. They still are. Well, Inuits? Is Inuit a race? Or I don't think you can say Eskimo Or is it a tribe? Or would they be considered natives? Because natives had they enslaved other natives. Why can't you say yes, Eskimo anymore? Is that racist? I think so. Uh, probably. <laughs> Eskimo's probably racist. <laughs> yeah, Look, why? all people are probably racist. That If you want to include everybody on Earth as being somewhat racist, I would say, okay. Whatever, to whatever small degree, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, for sure. That's the whole deal. Yeah, if I see a group of you know high black teenagers in hoodies, I'm probably going to be worried about it. But, uh, you see, that's what I said. It, What's is, a fear, is fear racist? Is that racist? No, it's scary? not. Maybe. No, I don't know. I wasn't as a kid, and no little kid born is born with anything that. Thinking bad about any other kind of people. Well, I, no. I, I was. But, but, but later on in life, when you have experiences throughout life, you go, oh, I'm going to stay away from those people. So is that because of, because of fear? So is that being racist? Well, okay. and is it would it be okay? So if I saw a bunch of white kids that looked like they were up to no good and I was like, I don't want to walk by them, am I sexist? And? Uh, you know, if I had to choose between walking by a group of white male teenagers and a group of middle-aged Asian women, I'd pick the latter. Because statistically, they have an almost zero chance of exactly. committing crime. Right. If it's a group of young black teenagers with hoodies on, statistics I'm are going statistics. on the street. You can't ignore but them. But see, that's what black people are saying. It's like the fact that you automatically believe that that group of black people or that's- teenagers are... But it's out of experience. Bad. So if I've seen it ten times, then beat somebody up. Okay, so I have a question. Is that racist? How is it out of experience that all white people are racist? What are you doing then? What are what are all other oh. races doing? If all white people are racist, what are you doing? I can't speak for black exactly. people, obviously. It's ridiculous. But it's a white what I've been hearing anyway. is that they do experience racism, even if it's like the microaggressions and all that. All so the time. do I, as a poor person. As a kid, I I faced racist crap all the time because it's not, in my opinion, this is not about black and white. It's about poor people. I think that's they 90% of like it. They don't like poor yeah. people. I, and then they can I'll identify agree, black people as poor. Even though all black people are not poor, that's what they, they don't like poor people. I said this before. They don't like poor people. I never finished high school. They hate that about me. I never went to college and I still was successful. They really hate that. 
People are judgmental. It's not racism. It's assholeism. It's but, a whole but, different but deal. Poor kids are just as smart as white kids. Yeah, According yeah. to Joe Biden. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> poor kids are just as smart as white kids. I can't kids. believe Joe Biden said that. What a dumbass. Look, uh, I don't have... Ridiculous. <laughs> Catherine, you and I have been together almost 40 years. Yes. Have you ever seen me have a problem with a black person ever, ever in my life? Have black people been to our house for Christmas? Have I had black friends my whole life? I didn't just invent it. I've never done, done been through any of this stuff. I have had... Now, let me give you an example. I'll give you a perfect example of how I can prove to you that I don't judge people based on their race or their whatever. I've had three people steal money from me. Three. All three of them were Jews. (laughs) That's a fact. Now, am I anti-Semitic? No. I'm not surprised. No, I'm not. I am not anti-Semitic. Even though all three people who stole some of them a lot of money from me, I am not racist or anti-Semitic. It's not but every would you Jew's think twice fault. about give, giving, <laughs> going into business with a Jewish person again? No, but I think twice about going into business with a friend. Yeah, yeah. never three go more friends with friends or family. That's what I've been mistake. warned my whole life. Never, never mix friendship and business. Ever. Never, ever, One ever. of the sons of bitches, I got him the job <laughs> and saved his career. And the first thing he did was stab me right in the back. Hmm. Now, is that because he's a Jew? No, it's because he's a prick. I've been pretty fortunate. I haven't had, I've had all good friends in my life. I haven't. I'll tell you that flat out. I have not. I love all my so, friends. So I have living proof that I'm, I don't judge people based on their, their religion or their race or whatever. What do you judge them on? Uh, how far <laughs> they stand away from me. Get the hell away from me and leave me alone. That's who. No, if they're decent people. The other thing that I, you know, the people I really hate, and there is a group of people I hate, <laughs> there's no question, that every time Rapists. they contact you, they want something. Yeah. I can't deal with that anymore. I don't I, answer those people's I calls don't either. anymore. I don't, I've had it. <laughs> I oh, know hey, who Tom, they are. can you help me? No. I, I have very few friends that do that, but I do have a friend that every time he calls me, I know that he wants yeah. something. Yep, absolutely. So it's not a black thing, it's not a Jewish thing, it's not an Asian thing, it's not a white thing. It's person to person, and if you don't understand that, you're an imbecile. I'll tell you, in the early, early 80s, I really experienced prejudice, like hard, of course. where I lived. Italians have. I, no, well, I was a rocker, and I was the only rocker in my town, and I would go to bars, and they're like, you can't come in here looking like that. I'm like, looking like what? Long hair. Well, like, like that. And then well, I got I it everywhere I went. If a cop saw me, they instantly stopped me. You know, you're up to no good. That's, you're what, drug my, that's what my brother Daryl says. Is he 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 says that he got beat up by cops because he had long. hair. Oh, I, absolutely, hundred percent, one hundred percent. They said, "Oh, you have too much jewelry on. You have long hair. You're something wrong. You're on drugs." We do have to take a break. We have a very special guest oh, coming yes. up next with the family. Tom Bernard here with CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Great to have you here, Michael. Thanks, Tom. Always a pleasure to be with you. One thing we keep talking about is that North American Banking Company is a community bank. Why is that important? Well, two things. First, as a locally owned and operated bank, we move quickly for our customers when it matters most. You're not waiting for a loan decision to come out of state or making the decision right here at your home. Secondly, our customers appreciate the fact that we get to know them and understand their goals. For many of our customers, we're coaches, mentors, and sometimes sounding boards for their ideas. It's hard to get that from a big bank, but it's something we do just because it's Tuesday. Well, that sounds like a great way to do business. All of our employees are working to help meet your business needs. It's how we create loyalty. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. 
So once again, we've proven here at the Tom Bernard podcast, the family po- uh, broadcast podcast, that nobody in this room is racist or judgmental. That's I'm just I'm here to talk. super judgmental. If I were, <laughs> I was gonna say, you two are very judgmental. If if I were. I'd be the first one to tell you, because I don't give a rat's ass. I think the only judgmental I would be is somebody who's really dirty and smelly. Yeah, that's not oh, good. Then I'm going to be like, ah, I got to walk away from this person. They're okay, dirty and smelly. I have a hard time with incompetence. Personal? Oh, me too. Incompetent. Oh, ask Nancy. I freak out on people. Like, how do you have a job? Like, yeah. I tell people all the time. How do you have a job? How are you employed by this company? We have Aaron. Aaron Brockovich joins us. How are you doing, Aaron? Hi. How are you today? I'm good. Good morning. How is everyone in Minneapolis? Everyone's doing extremely well. Just terrific, as a matter of fact, Aaron. Uh, Aaron Brockovich, your new book, Superman's Not Coming. Damn it. I was really hoping that Superman would still come because I need to be rescued from the world right now. I think everybody needs Superman right now. (laughs) We need him right now, Aaron. There's no question. You know, you don't need Superman when you realize the own strength that you yourself have, which okay, I've good. seen happen in Minnesota many a time. Let me remind you of that. I'm glad to hear that Superman's not coming. It is the activist version of a, uh, teaching a man to fish. Erin does not look yes. at herself as the answer to people's problems. However, she believes she can empower them to be their own local heroes. I want to hear all about this. Well, you know, there are um, local heroes everywhere. We share that with you in the book, and the, the idea of Superman's Not Coming is just a long journey of my work with communities across America <clears throat> that oftentimes, what have we got comfortable with complacent thought or had an idea that an agency or something or an entity was like, had oversight, why or how did this happen? And oftentimes, it's because if we're not involved, they don't know what's going on, or if they think we're not involved, things can happen magically. But we share with you it is about knowledge is power and how the communities who have been harmed or frustrated can take their anger and turn it into action in minnesota by the way uh the town of fridley had fascinated me with how they came about to deal with the big pce contamination right your whole state has had to deal with that and how it's affected other communities who got involved who got a reporter involved what, just this year, I believe, your governor banned the use of TCE? I mean, these are action steps that need to be taken to even start addressing the issue. And that comes from the power of an individual in a community, informing and educating the community, and getting right down in on your own city council. Because you don't need to wait for some federal or state oversight to begin to start fixing an issue in your own backyard. And that's what I want us to own. And imagine if everybody across the United States did that and did what you did in Minnesota. You would affect and eradicate a chemical that's damaging the water, that's in the environment, that harms the public health sector, and eradicate it. Now we're moving forward. That's what we're supposed to do, isn't it? It is. And the system, and we share with you in the book, and what I try to do is talk in layman's terms. You know, I've been told a bazillion times, right? You're not a doctor or lawyer or scientist. What do you know? Oh, my God. Please don't go there with me. I think you're going to see the rise of citizen scientists and consumer becoming the regulator. Because I don't need to be that to tell you that two-headed frog in green water that I'm dealing with and what I'm looking at, in fact, is okay. Because it's not. And if we across the country started to do that and 
own and recognize the issues. Blaming is not going to get us anywhere, but we've got to get active. Knowledge is power. How we turn that into a process to create change really does happen in your own backyard. And so trying to explain it in layman's terms so they get it. I go to meetings, and the scientist talks about organic matter, okay? And everybody's got that look on their face. I get it. I'm like, oh, we're going to go down the science track. We think, oh, we can't understand that. Organic matter is dirt. And then they're like, oh, <laughs> light bulb comes on. And our system, I hope when you read the book, you're going to go, okay, we're kind of doing things ass backwards here. And once you know, see, then you can make the change. But we're never going to know if information is hidden, concealed, uh, constantly do this, go one way, then do another. You've got to know what's happening. And so we try to give you those tools and that information in the book. While Superman's not coming, it doesn't scare me. We're here. We're, we're living and breathing in it. You know what's going on in your own backyard. And don't let anyone throw you off your game. What you're experiencing, what you're seeing, isn't real. And and, and how we can change that system. It failed us. Um, and it's taken a long time to get where we are. But I think the moment is we're here waking up and communities are rising up, and they're, they're actively getting involved no, in Aaron, making changes in their own backyard. Aaron, i got to find out, where did you where'd you get your toughness? Um, well, I think I started off in my youth. I'm a dyslexic. Okay. So I got the, the very early put you in a box, the label and everything, and I don't like that. I don't think really many of us do, frankly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had two great parents. My mom was a journalist. My greatest cheerleader, she always taught me to have stick-to-itiveness. You know, it's funny how empowering a word can be. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a made-up word. I'm just born and raised in Lawrence, Kansas, so I thought, oh, my gosh, here we go with another slang word. What the hell does that mean, Mom? Stick-to-itiveness. <laughs> she read me the definition, and it's amazing. Noun, propensity to follow through in a determined manner. Dogged persistence, born of obligation and stubbornness. I never forgot that. I, I turned it into the little engine that could. But she taught me that you're not born with stick and life's going to require that you have it. And you have to develop the habit of persevering, even when you don't want to. And it'd be easier to give up. So I think from a very, very early age, being behind the eight ball, being a dyslexic, being underestimated, but having a, a beautiful mom who offered me the hope of, being dogged and determined and persistent, and we're all going to get knocked down. I think of it, mm-hmm. and we're, we're going through some knocks right now. We are. But I think of it like the Super Bowl game. So when you get out on that field, you know you're going to get knocked around. But when you do, and you may have rushed 20 yards and got pushed back 50, you don't throw the ball down and walk off the field. You get back in that game, and you may go rush 90 yards. And just at such an early age in my life, I, I was taught that because I was always behind the eight ball. Yeah. I wasn't going to quit on the game. No, yeah, I, I love the way you put that because uh, there are several of us out there. You, you come from, you know, kind of meager, beyond meager beginnings, and you learn to be tough. And, you know, it's interesting there, Aaron. You do know that some people resent you for that. Isn't that amazing? Because you, you, you stick to it and you're tough. <laughs> they resent you for that. It amazes me. 
You know, I, I see that and I deal with it. And, um, you know, I, don't, I, I think that sometimes it's important we try to understand um, or put yourself in someone else's vision where that's coming from. Yeah. And yep. oftentimes they are in the same place where I was, underestimated, mm-hmm. devalued, labeled, judged, perceived, and, and they're frustrated. And it will come out that way. But if you if you can find a way to talk to them that doesn't, you know, put off on them, oh, you know, who you think you are or whatever, that they'll, they'll, they'll listen to you. That's the problem is getting someone, to, did you hear me? And I think that's where it comes from. But I, I do see that, and I, I still deal with that today. And I'm okay with that because, you know, I'll own it. And I'm never one to tell you out there I'm perfect or superwoman or anything. Else. Right. Um, there's not any one of us that's perfect. But I think it's a moment of trust, respect, and why somebody makes a flippant comment like that at you is coming from their own place of something. Yep. And if you can relate to that, you might be able to start having a conversation some level. Well, to tell you the truth, Aaron, if, if Julia Roberts had played me in a movie, I'd be mad at you, too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Did, did you call when they picked Julie Roberts to play you? Did you call and say, "Couldn't you find somebody better looking to play me?" No, I'll tell you though what happened. So <laughs> that's funny because it kind of goes along with your, what you were just saying. Um, Ed Mazur used to always ask me, "They really make me who do you think should play you, kid?" And I, I never knew. I mean, we really don't wake up in the morning and think about these things, or at least I didn't. And I said, "Somebody fun, Goldie Hawn, I guess." Oh, because, no, I was, that would have yeah. been good, too. Yeah, that would have been good, because too. Because she's fun, and I'm, I'm probably a little more zany fun than people might realize no. or know about me. But Ed said he didn't care who got the part as long as it was not Julia Roberts. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fact. And I'm like, well, first of all, Julia Roberts is never going to play the role. It's Julia Roberts. I go, but what's wrong with her? Because I don't know, you know. Making a joke, the bust aren't big enough, the mouth's not foul enough. Aaron, I gotta I'll tell you the to your point, the day I got the phone call, I called to let Ed know. But he said, Who cast me? It's gotta be Tom Cruise, right? I'm gonna be out. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely Albert right. Albert was great. She Julie did it. She did a good job, though. She did a really good job. I thought. Oh yeah, I that she movie's like did a great job. Yeah, she did. I got to tell you something. I'm sitting at this table here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, with a family friend, L.A. Nick, but uh, my lovely wife is here, Catherine, our son Andy, and our daughter Alex, and both Catherine and Alex. And Andy's a very solid guy. But Catherine and, and Alex got that tough woman thing going, and I just love it in you, and I love it in them. I love my mother was a tough woman, and I love it. You know that uh, for me, it's been a journey. I'm 60 now. I began my work when I was 30. I'm, my kids are grown. I'm now a grandmother of four. Oh, congratulations! And, um, it's a journey. It's a process of that confidence comes from knowing you believing in you and trusting in your decisions and what you see and your reactions to it. And I have learned in hindsight, my work in water um, and pulling back the layers of it is actually been my own self journey. We're all water and water is everyone's story. And I look at water and its resiliency and its strength and its ability to carve mountains, and rivers and streams 
if we are water, then you can be that. I like it a lot. I will tell you that. You know, uh, Aaron, I've always been a fan. I'm really, really glad you came on the show today. I do have to get going. Brad Pitt's on the phone. He wants to play me in a movie, and I just don't know. <laughs> awesome. I don't know, Aaron. I, I think he's too old. Yeah, he's too old. <laughs> That's exactly it. He's too old. Aaron, you are, I've always enjoyed you. you when you get on that mic and you start talking. Uh, you're a very well, smart person, a very tough person, and uh, you're, you're what most women should be. I appreciate it. Fighting a good it. fight. Yes. Well, listen, I, I so appreciate your time and, and talking about Superman's not coming. I'm proud of it. It was like my life's work verbally vomited into one location. How can I give you the, the tools that you need to, to move forward? Because it exists in all of us. And I have learned when we want to make change, especially in the environment, what has to be activated. Oh, you're absolutely right. Superman's not coming. Aaron Brockovich. Aaron, you got to come back. we got to talk a lot more. I'd love to. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Be well. You too. We'll be back with the family. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. I do have to talk briefly about uh, something I found out during the morning show today, and it made me very, very sad. But then all the listeners to KQ Morning Show, you were amazing people. I felt a lot better about it. Thank you for all your calls and texts and emails. But my friend, for many, many years, Joe Laurinaitis died last night. He's only 60 years old. Animal is dead. Um, Hawk so died. Intense. I cannot believe Hawk died 17 years ago. Yeah. Crazy. For listeners not in this area, I used to lift a lot of weights with those guys. Knew them for many, many, many years. Catherine once uh, got in an argument with Hawk at Manny's uh, restaurant, in which he got so pissed off he hit himself over the head with a sock full of he, pennies. These are all pro wrestlers, right? For people yes, who don't know, they are. They can, that's exactly not right. Everyone knows that. Well, I suppose that's probably true. Yeah, but, Minnesota well, Hawk and Animal. No, they're, yeah. they're Supreme Court judges, Hawk and Animal. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what we need to do is bring we some, some yeah. life into the SCOTUS business. But we had so many people call in today, <laughs> from, you know, some wrestlers, guys that worked out with uh, with Joe and uh, Mike and me and Dale Henn and uh, Johnny Alt played with Kansas City Chiefs. He was... Always there at Twin Cities Gym. Uh, there's so many great people, but it really... He was a big guy. Good Why Lord. was this such a hub for pro wrestlers? Because all, all the greats were here. 
All of them. Well, those giant wild. Nordic people. Yeah. German Vern and Nordic. Ganya. But Vern, like even, even Vern Ganya ran a really good business. Oh, is that what it was? Yep. Okay. It's like that people, Acme Comedy the, Club for wrestlers. Even the <laughs> California <laughs> right. wrestlers came here and stayed. They did. Like Hulk You're Hogan. Right. Hulk Hogan came here and lived here, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. He lives in Clearwater, Florida now. Yeah. Which is where Hawk lived when he died, but that's 17 years. But Joe Laurinaitis' son, of course, came a professional football player. Andy, would you see Joe Laurinaitis, uh, the football player how many i think he played like 10 or 11 years in the nfl oh did he i I think well he played for many many years and i do believe he's retired now i'm pretty sure uh laurinitis is l-a-u-r-i-e-n-t-i-e-s i I think or t-i-s something like that uh you you're talking about animal no, I'm talking about no, his son. Football player. Oh, he has a son he named a son Joe. Who was an, uh, who was a you're like, player. this is like, the same. You, you just about? said he died. I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. <clears throat> he played with the St. Louis Rams, actually, I believe. His name is James. Well, did I say Joe? Uh, James, yeah, Jesus. That'll be it. Who, is yeah, the long, James. Who, has the long, who had the longest career in football? Football. Oh God, George oh, Blanda was, I think, fifty something. He retired. <laughs> he was, I think, he was Let's like see. fifty or something. James played with the Rams for six years and the Saints for one. Oh, he only was in the, I thought he was in seventy-seven years. I thought he was in like ten years. That's still a pretty good career. Oh nine to sixteen. Oh nine to sixteen. Well, I mean, James considering he's thirty-three Laurinaitis. and he's functionally retired, you know. Yeah, thirty-three and he's can't retired. Can't be too That's, upset about that, that run. Although losing his dad at thirty-three has got to be tough, man. That'd be yeah. That'd be that's not actually be good. that'd be a tough age to lose your dad. Yeah, it would indeed. Well. I mean, any age is tough, but thirty-three is when I don't know. That's when I needed my dad the most, right around there. There's one of the problems though with lifting weights, and you start getting toward the those steroids and all that yep. stuff, man. Oh, it yeah. is really hard on your body. Yes, you don't even is. know how hard that is. Speaking of road warriors, we have Officer Dave on the phone. <laughs> yeah, you steroid freak. What are you doing, Tommy? I am. I am. My head, heart goes out to you. Thank you. You, you know, I knew Joe, yep. and he yep. was a friend of mine too. I didn't know him quite as well as you did, but I, when you alluded to it this morning, I was like, "Oh, good lord! I know it's Joe." Yep. I, you when knew he it was died Joe. last night, right? Because I saw it last, last night. night. Yeah, 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 I saw it last night. He did indeed. But I'll tell you, Officer Dave, it just it broke my heart because, I, you know, I gave that stat today. The guys that I grew up with, the guys that I lifted weights with and all those guys, you got to be talking dozens of people, and I believe there are six of us still alive. That's it. That's, they, that's terrible. We're most that's on horrible. steroid users. Yeah. Steroids are bad. Yeah. Well, either that or they were especially, murdered. It's a, especially <laughs> the steroids back then. Oh, I mean, God. Who knows you talk about unstable. Yeah, because yeah, that was illegal, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. It's still illegal. Who, know, illegal. who knows was, who was making it? Well, it's though. so illegal because yeah. it's so dangerous. But James Laurinaitis yeah. was in the NFL for seven years. I thought it was longer than that for some reason. I don't know why. So did I, I thought, and I, I remember Joe talking about when Jimmy was at Ohio State. Right. And he was so proud of him. He was just. He was beaming. He was so proud. No. And it's then when he, when he got, he talked, we talked, I bet you we talked about Jimmy for 45 minutes yeah. about how he was doing. And, oh, it was just to see to see that great big man with that much pride. Well, to have a in son in the, in the age, it's a pretty big deal. In the NFL, yeah. yeah it's a pretty big deal. It is indeed. Yep. But, but, yeah, it did. I'll tell you, because of people like you, though, and the people that called into the morning show, I kept saying, stop calling me. You're going to make me cry, you bastards. <laughs> oh, geez, I'm sorry. 
I care about you. I know. Almighty. I, ap- I apologize for caring about you. <laughs> nah, it was. Oh. It's a tough road to hoe, and I would just. Uh, and I literally was walking down the hall, headed to the men's room, and I have an Apple Watch, and it said on my Apple Watch, "Animal died." I'm like, oh God. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, all, we'll all be there soon enough. Ixnay. <laughs> Well, <laughs> well look, at the time, look at the time over here with this guy. All we are is <laughs> to say, the well, we'll, we'll all be in the same place in the end. Tommy, I love you, man. I love you too, pal. Thank you. It was very kind of you to call. Thank you very much. Nick, Alex, Catherine, Andy, you guys all take care. Yeah, Thank thanks you. for serving, Bye. man. All right. See, that's the one thing I will tell you about the per- people's perception. Every guy we just talked about or two, because Officer Dave is about, what, 6'5", probably weighs about 280, maybe 300. In another yeah. university, he would have been in the uh, WWE. Yeah, we probably, he, might, uh, he may have taken a run at it, who knows. Who knows. But in my experience, in my life, the bigger a man is, the chances are the nicer he is. I, I found that true, too. It's true. I found that true. Big, strong yeah. guys. All the biggest dudes I know are big teddy bears. Man. They are. Huh. They love their kids. It's they the love little, their it's wives. It's the little short ones that are pricks. <laughs> like, well, I wonder who we're talking about there, the pricks uh, that, uh, you know... Uh, Gosh, well, I, gee, I, That uh, is true, though. The biggest guys I know are the nicest people. They are. They are. It is true. Did you ever meet Officer Dave? I have not met Officer you Dave. You cannot meet a nicer man than No, him. I just know him. Great guy. He's the nicest guy. Just a great guy. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that society treats certain people better. So if you go through life being treated well, you're going to end up being a nice guy. That's true, too. Society do not treat short men well. You don't want to piss them off. That is true, too. Being a short man is like being an ugly woman. No one treats you well. Well, no. It's true. Rude. Am I wrong? Well, you might have a point. Or an ugly man. Well, yes, I've heard very, very horrible things said about homely women, definitely. Oh, really? And short men are the same way. I don't don't remember ever hearing. I mean, people are like, people are worried about short men having a Napoleon complex. If you're like four eight, four nine, or five foot, four eight, four eight. That's short. short, Isn't that a little person? I'm pretty sure that's like medical condition. Yeah, Yeah. that's five foot. Still, I mean, that's pretty short even for a woman. Five feet. Melissa's five two, and she's a short woman. So lots of five foot men. In, there, well, there in are New York, absolutely. five feet. In New York. <laughs> in New York, there are, absolutely. Yes. Not in Minnesota, but in yeah, New York. Yeah, you don't York, see sure. too many five foot men in it Minnesota. It is true. I tower over everyone in Florida, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how, how tall is uh, Tom uh, Arnold? No. Bergeron? No, from Mission Impossible. To, uh, oh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. We'll never know oh, the truth. Oh, he's teensy. No, you'll yeah. never know. He's teensy. What, Prince was not very tall. No, he was not. Yeah, yeah but he wasn't oh, five feet. He was. I'll tell you who. I'll tell you who. I don't I, know. Close. I, I tell you I, we Very went, small. We Sammy went Davis to, Jr. small. Prince was 5'3". I Build. don't even know. Build I don't height. even know. Because I in high heels. We went to his. We went to his house, Stan and I. He weighed 112 pounds. Yeah, he was, and his his shoulders were seriously like yeah, this. They were tiny. He like his, because they have a bunch of mannequins in his costumes, and he was yeah, he was, he was so really tiny. Small. I've met him a couple times. Yeah, he was five like three, five he three, had the and body heels. of a child. Yeah. And I met Sammy life. Davis Jr. once, and I was shocked when I met him. I was like, oh, 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 oh. and then he was so tiny. He was, he was freakishly small. <laughs> we got Wendy on the phone for one minute. Uh, for for one minute. Well, we can have her on the first segment, can't we? Uh, Wendy, can you do the first, can you do a segment? Yeah. 
I can do whatever you would like. Yeah. Okay, we'll take a break here, then, and we'll come back with a Wendy, Wendy, Wendy in just a couple of minutes.